That's our cue. When the music ends, Steve, that's when we're supposed to talk. We should have got this by now. This is Magnus Carlsen, and you're listening to The Full English Breakfast with Lawrence Trent and Stephen Gordon. This is episode number 18 of The Full English Breakfast, or more correctly, we might say it's a partial English breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. With me is International Master Lawrence Trent, but not... Grandmaster Stephen Gordon, where is he? Well, Stephen's a bit tied up this week. He's been doing his normal teaching at the school, then he's been taking on extra classes, he's organising a tournament, he's been absolutely ramo with work. So I'm hoping that Just Me won't disappoint Macaulay. All of our fans, do forgive me. Well, we'll have 60 seconds with Fabiano Caruana. We'll talk Aeroflot in the news and the best team names from the US Amateur Team East in the United States. But first, it's time for Pub Talk. What's new on the chess map? Well, uh, since our last podcast, there's been a few big stories, but I think we're going to cover those more in the main part of the show. But something that I've noticed is, and I, I was following all of these tournaments, that in a recent tournament, uh, it was the ACP. We're talking about the ACP Women's Cup in Tbilisi. We saw something that is very common, and I just wanted to bring it up because I was thinking about this, and it's arranged draws between friends and or siblings, and um, the cost and saver system. Sisters, rather, not systems, um, although there might be a cost and saver system, I suppose, one day. Um, they, they had a very quick draw down a well-known Spanish exchange line. And I just wondered, well, they're in a tournament. Is this nowadays when we're trying to push the commercial side of chess and, and try and get as much sponsorship as possible, whether these sorts of draws are acceptable? We know that in other sports, when it comes to siblings, we've had this amicable result or they don't play each other at all. So, for example, in boxing, the Klitschko brothers don't play each other. They, they, they've got all the belts, but they, they won't fight each other. So, what do you think, Macaulay? Do you think sisters or brothers or brother and sister? I can't think of too many examples. I, I suppose we've got the um, Gigalcos, who are very strong players uh, from Belarus. Well, we've got the Muzichuk sisters. And, of course, you have a lot of teammates. You have a lot of friends, situations, people who maybe take it easy on each other a little bit. But... I would make a distinction between maybe not uh, trying your absolute hardest and making a prearranged draw in a known variation in 13 moves. That seems to me a little bit pushing it, a little bit unsportsmanlike. And, and the reason why I don't like the analogy with boxing is that in boxing, of course, the objective is to beat up the other guy physically. Mm, mm. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, you can understand if you have two brothers, you don't want to inflict actual damage on the other guy's body, which is part of the rules of the game. Mm. But in chess, I mean, you know, can you really say that there's anything even remotely like that? Okay, a few rating points maybe here. But you're playing in a sport. I think you have some obligation to the organization into the fans to play a real game. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because even though they're not getting beaten up physically, they, uh, you know, rivalries between siblings uh, from a psychological perspective, I don't know how that would then affect their career. You know, if I 
if I kept on losing to my brother, um, I, I think it would affect me in a slightly different way, maybe maybe for the worse, compared to if I you know lost to Stephen all the time, which is actually a regular occurrence. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think we need to readdress it though, because you know this tournament. Singling out the ACP tournament, there was quite a large first prize. Uh, there was sponsorship, and it was featuring essentially Bar Ho Yufan and um, Judith Polgar, the you know a group of the top female players in the world, including the likes of Kostenyuk, Maya Chibundanadze, a couple of ex world champions. Well, Nana Zagninzi won of Georgia on her home court, so to speak, and uh, you can weigh in on this subject on our Facebook page. But since Stephen is not here, I'm going to uh, throw out another item of pub talk for you here. Mm, Go for it. And that is the Russian Chess Federation opening up a spot in the Tom Memorial in June to an online poll to select from a short list of possible final candidates. Uh, and, and this is open. Anybody can vote until March 15th on RussiaChess.org. Uh, you'll see it in the lower right-hand corner. But uh, a number of players. Here are the players to choose from. We've got Shaq Mavidyarov, Wang Hao from China, Gada Kamsky, Ruslan Panamaryov, Mickey Adams, Anish Giri, Li Kuang Liem, Judith Polgar, Alexei Shirov, Badr Jobava from Georgia also, Emil Sitovsky, Luke McShane and Ho Yufan. And I say, I emphasize Luke McShane because surprisingly, a little bit surprisingly maybe, he is currently in second place in the voting. As we record this, uh, Li Kuang Liem has uh, pulled out to a, a pretty nice lead. He's got 24% of the vote. And Luke, Luke in there with n- almost 20%. Oh, wow. Well, I think it's a really interesting concept, actually, um, because, you know, we often get complaints that these super tournaments have just got, you know, oh, they've got the Kramniks and the Anans and the, there's no real new faces. Well, this is a way to get some, let's say they're still elite, of course, but they're not just the super elite. And I think it's a really interesting way to get some public backing of these tournaments, which has, I suppose, not been universal in the past. And, um, yeah, come on, Luke. I mean, I'd I'd like to see him there. Whether he'd be able to play or not is another story because he's got a full-time job. And, well, Mickey... Uh, again, I don't know. I imagine Mickey would contemplate it, and some of the other names there. A couple of young guys or youngish. Um, yeah, I think it's a. Re- I think it's a really good way. Obviously, questions of it being rigged might always come up. Well, or not necessarily rigged, but it's a question of whether or not this is a fair way to determine a player. I mean, a guy who has a really large local following in their own country, like like Le, for example, always uh, has a lot of Vietnamese fans following him. Obviously, they can uh, go in and weigh on the vote, whereas Mickey might not have quite the same kind of public backing uh, in from coming from England. The other issue, of course, is, well, how did you determine the list of candidates? Uh, I know, for example, that uh, Vugur Gashimov was uh, a little bit upset that Mamad Yarov was included instead of him. Mm-hmm. They're, of course, kind of neck and neck on the ratings, and Rajabov already invited into the tournament. Mm. Uh, just uh, automatically. Mm. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, whether or not it's uh, it's it's a fair system, I, I guess there's also no way to control multiple voting uh, if you're using other computers, multiple computers or multiple browsers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes of it, and if generally people like the idea of uh, opening it up a little to a little bit wider possible field. Uh, so we don't necessarily get always the same guys uh, being invited to these super tournaments.
that. We need somebody else in. Why not? I mean, we'll see how it pans out. We'll see if it really has been rigged. And well, there are no Russians uh, on this list. These are all uh, non-Russian players. Uh, that are open to vote. Uh, Vladimir Putin not uh, available to play in the top memorial. Uh, if Putin's name showed up on here and he was suddenly jumping out to a big lead, then we might uh, have to consider uh, something akin to the Russian elections. Now you better edit that because this might be my last podcast, Macaulay. I might be uh, swimming with the fishes. <laughs> All right, well, moving on. We uh, had one major event come to a conclusion, and that was the Aeroflot Open. Mm. Checking some news from there, a little bit of of a surprise... At the top, what did you think of those games? Yeah, well, um, it was the Aeroflot Open is always an interesting one because of the strength and depth of players there. I mean, basically, you've got an Open, which really isn't an Open. It's just players in and around the same level, and there are there are dozens of them. If I remember correctly, the young Polish GM Bartel came out on top. Mikul first with uh, Korobov, again, another very young GM, and Elianov. Uh, you know, it's just one of these tournaments where, you know, if you get plus two or plus three, you're going to win it. I think they got six and a half out of nine. So, you know, it's not a huge score. Uh, but the rating performance is massive because you're playing a 2650 or a 2700 every single game. The top seeds, Caruana, I think there were a couple of other 27 odds types, uh, didn't win it. But, I mean, even Caruana, who I think got six out of nine, still put in, put in a rating performance of 27.70, which would have gained him a couple of points. And that couple of points, we should note, well, in conjunction with his uh, very nice performances in Reggio Emilia and in the Tata Steel Tournament, has catapulted him into the top ten. He's currently sitting at number seven, just a few points back of Hikaru Nakamura. So, a uh, big run-up for him. Now, I spoke to Fabiano briefly in Vikenze. We'll spend 60 seconds with him, uh, talking about his new training regimen. Uh, he's recently started working with the well-known Russian-Dutch-Belgian trainer <laughs> Vladimir Chuchulov, who, coincidentally, also works with Anish Giri. And both of them were playing in the A group in Vikenze. So I wanted to know how he handles that kind of a situation. You, you switched to start working with Chuchulov after the move to Savannah? It was about the beginning of 2010, uh-huh. around that time. How does that work here when you're playing Anish? Well, I mean, you know, we've never actually discussed uh, preparation against any of his other students. Yeah. And it's not a big problem. I still have to play. You, you think you'll just do your oh, own prep for that, that, that we, game? We've never really discussed uh, preparation against each other or, or anything about that. But, I mean, I don't think there's really a conflict of interest. You know, he just stays away from from that subject and uh, prepares us for everyone else. You don't worry about sharing your own repertoire or anything like that? I mean, I don't think that uh, our analysis is really shared. Yeah, we do play a number of similar openings, but uh, I don't think that he would use analysis for the game. You know, of course, you you work with a lot of players, and sometimes you have to play against them. It's uh, inevitable, but usually you discuss it with another player uh, if you work with them and then you have to play them. But, okay, so far, I don't think there's, there's been any problems. Yeah. Have you worked 
with other players yourself, at least, that's not uh, a secret or something? And no, I, on a, I on haven't really worked with any of people, any of the top players. Yeah. Once I, I had a small session with Boris Gelfin, and that's about it. It was a long time ago also. But uh, at some point, you know, you have to work with players and you have to play them also. But uh, I guess you just, uh, you won't play the openings that you analyzed with them, yeah. against them. I don't know if, uh, I guess it's kind of like an unspoken agreement. Mm-hmm. How are things going with the uh, Italian Federation? Are you Italian champion again? They must be happy. Yeah, it's, it's going good. I, mean, I play on the team, all the team events. And uh, how's your Italian coming along? I think it's pretty good, getting better. Yeah. I'm studying also. But you can go to the local bakery in Lugano and uh, order whatever. Yeah, I can, I can do most things. So Caruana's schedule heating up and uh, having some nice successes, enough to get up to number seven in the world. Yeah, maybe he can buy himself a nice treat from the bakery. Or he's, I have to admit, he's, he's a character we don't really know. If I'm going to be totally honest, who's now in Elite? Uh, we've been so used to hearing from the Carlsons and Anns, Kramnicks, and so on of this world. And this young guy has just shot up into, you know, top 10, nearly top 5 in the world. So we're going to hear a lot more from him. Well, I've been following his career uh, for, for some time because, of course, he uh, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, mm. and uh, only moved. Yeah, out of the country uh, when he was uh, young, a young teenager, maybe even even a little earlier than that. Mm. Uh, spent several years in Budapest, where he was training with Alexander Chernin, and then recent, more recently moved to Lugano uh, in uh, Switzerland, just the Italian part of Switzerland. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a story uh, for Chess Life magazine several years ago called Fabulous Fabiano, uh, but that was still when he was, you know, just starting to get some invitations to, to tournaments where there might be, you know, the, the, the talk of conditions. Mm. But I uh, imagine the conditions are getting somewhat better for him now. Yeah. I just saw recently that he's been invited to the 20th Sigamon tournament in Malmö, Sweden, which has been uh, beefed up for its uh, 20-year anniversary with the addition of uh, Peter Lieko and uh, Li Chao from China and also Anish Giri and uh, several of the top Swedish players. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to get these invitations with a rating of 2770, isn't he? I mean, let's face it. Yeah, he's the top seed. I mean, he's the top yeah, seed there. Right. So. so, you know, um, I mean, I think he's... He's a very different character in some respects to to what we've seen. I mean, he's very serious, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that came across in that interview. Um, uh, maybe he's got uh, a slightly more, uh, I don't know, a more subtle sense of humor in some way. But, uh, you know, we, we saw him years ago anyway when he was, he, he was all very small, but he was still, you know, clearly on the road to becoming a super grandmaster. But we still don't really know what he's like as a person. And the reason why, you know, the Kramnicks of this world and, and Carlson's of this world are, uh, are adored worldwide, apart from being top players is because we actually know what they're like. I mean, we, we saw it in London. We've seen it for many years. Kramnik is actually an extremely funny guy. Um, we even heard it on the podcast uh, a couple of episodes ago. And, well, we know what Magnus is like. He's got quite a dry sense of humor, but he's also, you know, very... Um, we, we well, You can see it on the 60-minute show on CBS. I mean, we're getting to find out what these personalities are like. So I'm hoping we can do with 
do the same with Fabiano and get to know him just a bit more. Well, one uh, difference, you're talking about how, how being very serious. Of course, he has not been... Uh, trying to complete his studies in parallel, dedicating his time and energies to chess for the last several years. He's still very young, of course, uh, and hasn't uh, you know ruled out at some point maybe trying to go to university. Re- I know he reads a lot. He's a voracious reader, but uh, has not had to deal with any kind of a class schedule, homework, exams, etc. In contrast to Anish Giri, for whom a uh, a vacation from school is basically a prime opportunity to play in a tournament. Mm. And uh, while he was getting set for his first game in Vikingse as well, he was facing Boris Gelfand in the first round. I uh, caught up with him for a brief uh, interview and another player that we're going to be seeing uh, much, much more of in the years to come. This will probably actually be for our next show. Okay. So, in other words, it's kind of one of these things where this tournament will have been over. So, yeah. obviously, we won't talk it's, about it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we could pretend that you just won, and then. Uh, yeah, and then we do then another we do one. Or you lost. I'm second, and then I'm third. And yeah, okay, third, 14 of them, yeah. <laughs> well, where do you think you'll be, well, I guess? Well, I think the safest guess we will say that it was a. I hope, yeah? The compromise that it was a 50% result, because this is what I usually score. But let's keep some other options open also, you know. <laughs> you never know. Well, on the one hand, there's no uh, pressure of the strongest 14-player field ever, as they like to say. So you're, you're not uh, exactly expected to win. But does that make it easier or harder when you feel like it? Um, no, it doesn't make it any, any harder. I mean, the stronger the tournament, uh, the more motivation you have. And so I have absolutely no problems with it. I like strong opponents. and They motivate me very, very well, usually. And, uh, Okay, of course it's going to be strong. I, I mean, I think last year was very strong as well. I don't think this one is uh, that much uh, of a difference. So I hope if I'm going to be in fine shape, it's going to be fine again. Tell me a little bit about Reggio, which was obviously a big success and coincided with your holidays, so you don't have to worry about uh, missing school and having to catch yeah. up. Yeah, that's a rare situation, yes. <laughs> I mean, to play a tournament and not miss school... Uh, it feels strange. Then you're, you don't have the situation where you're dreading after the last round having two weeks of work to catch up on, I guess. Yeah, it is also very strange. I mean, the whole tournament was really strange. If you look first, there were some leaders. At first, Ivanchuk was uh, leading. He collapsed. Then uh, Hikaru was leading. He collapsed. Morozevich was also leading. He also collapsed. I mean, everybody was uh, just collapsing at some point. And I was lucky that my collapse was uh, at the beginning. <laughs> and uh, at the end, uh, I was playing already reasonably well and solid. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you've now... You know, really broken into the higher echelons uh, as far as rating goes, and yet you still have plans to, I guess, do a couple more years of school, then maybe university. Yeah. Is that going to become, do you think, harder to balance school and your professional chess? Okay, already last year and the year before, I mean, it's getting harder and harder to combine, of course, because school is also uh, asking for more, uh, but I think in general it is possible, uh, very possible to combine, I mean, so far. And, okay, I hope... Uh, I mean, I'll finish the school in two years, and we'll see where I'll be. And uh, I'm, I think, uh, in general, if you spend your time wisely, and then, I mean, it's possible to combine even university with uh, high-level chess. And, I mean, I know a lot of players who don't have school or universities but spend way less time on chess than I do. So, I mean, it's all the matter of priority. So I don't think it's objectively a problem. You mean to say even relative to your peers, you work harder, you think? 
Okay, I mean, I know some people uh, who are uh, so, so-called professionals but uh, spend less time on chess. Yeah. What kind of time? How much time do you spend normally? Well, it depends, of course. I mean, again, if I have a school or something. But usually, first days of school, I have to pick, pick up and I have to learn for some tests. And after it goes, uh, it goes a bit down, I have some um, well, free evenings. I can uh, spend some three, four hours uh, daily and... Uh, Often I have uh, training sessions. I mean, and also it's a matter of uh, efficiency. So I, I mean, it's possible uh, to work uh, reasonably much. You're not staying up till four in the morning playing blitz, I guess. No, 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 not blitz. No, <laughs> blitz is hard. In school, what subjects do you gravitate towards? In Dutch system, you have to pick a kind of a profile. They call it at a certain stage, and I pick this um, nature and uh, technique. Uh, so it's like. Uh, and also biology. So it's like physics, chemistry, biology, math, uh, those kind of better subjects, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, usually those are subjects I like. I also like languages, and I mean, English is okay. All other languages I don't like. So it's <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, usually the math kind of subjects uh, are nice, and also, let's say, computer science. Uh. Well, that's good. I always thought in Europe they make you sort of specialize earlier, but it sounds like you, you still have quite a variety. Uh, no, I'm c- kind of specialized, but it's very broad. Uh, where, so not, not really, yeah. I mean, I could also choose, let's say, some kind of direction of economics or uh, languages. So it is kind of a special specialization, but it is very broad. So, so you have all kinds of options ahead of you, and yes. uh, probably soon uh, many more options uh, for tournaments to play too. Yeah, yeah. But for now, the girlfriend is on my mind, so uh, <laughs> I'm not thinking about uh, what I'm going to choose as my studies. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. So Anish Giri says he works harder than people who don't have to worry about school. Well, I mean. He's probably right. I mean, uh, we know there are a few... I mean, I suppose Magnus is a prime example of uh, somebody he's talking about. Uh, but I, I, I think Anish has shown everybody that he's definitely a super talent and will be challenging for the top spot in a very short amount of time. I mean, I think he's only 17 still. The fact that he is balancing both school and chess at the moment makes it even more incredible. Let's see how it all pans out for him. I expect he will go to university because he look, he's obviously a very intelligent guy and he... he I know he's a very sociable guy as well, you know, and that's another side of his life. So I don't think we'll see him just playing chess. But then again, maybe the invitations and and, and the financial aspect will make him think twice. I don't know. Uh, he's young, he's full of beans, very good. Uh, and very good also with these sorts of interviews, which is which is great, because I think we need more characters like that. So I wish him all the best. Full of beans. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, that's an English term, Macaulay. You're going to have to start studying some English, I think, rather than... Uh, maybe you can go to lessons with Anish or something. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it just means full of uh, enthusiasm, we say in England, but you can say full of beans. Well, one place that's been full of enthusiasm to our great delight is our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the FEB. We're posting some bonus clips there now and again, some questions, some polls. So check it out if you haven't already. And uh, while you're there, also if you haven't already, like us. It'll help us to get some sponsorship. But in the meanwhile, wanted to have a big thanks to all those who've donated since our last uh, prize drawing raffle. 
And we have a new prize to give away, and this one is courtesy of Chess Base. It's going to be a copy of Fritz 13, which features a new Let's Check function. What a great prize, guys. I mean, Fritz 13, this, I mean, it's not cheap, Fritz. You know, this is a great prize. So let's see who's going to win it, Macaulay. Yeah, here's how we're going to do it. I've got uh, six names, okay. and I've randomly assigned them to all of the six types of pieces on a chessboard. So now I want you to throw out one of your pieces from the chessboard. Just a piece. I'm, I'm going to go for the knight. Okay, the knight. And our lucky knight winner of Fritz 13 is Jimmy J. Sweet. Jimmy J. Sweet. Congratulations to Jimmy J. All right. Get in touch, and we'll have that copy of Fritz 13 downloadable sent to your email address. Well, that's great. I, I need some net lessons, Macaulay. Don't I get a prize as well? Yeah, well, you know, you're playing uh, now and again. We haven't talked about this, but you were playing actually in a tournament in Bunrati uh, last week. Yeah, I, I did it very spur of the moment. It, it was just a weekend tournament in Ireland, and I I, I went across there, and it was, a, it was a great tournament, actually, because it was a very strong tournament. We had Mickey Adams there, Nigel Short, Gawain Jones was there. Uh, we had Istratescu from Romania's 2650. We had some other 2500 grandmasters from England. So it was an extremely strong tournament. Um, but the great thing about it was that it was a, the whole point of the tournament is that it's a very sociable tournament. In fact, people were sitting down at the board with you know a nice pint, and it was one of those tournaments, not FIDE rated, of course. You wouldn't catch. Mickey Adams, you know, even contemplating uh, such a drink if his if his um, professional rating was on the line. But it was very nicely put together. I want to thank Jerry, one of the organisers, for being very kind while I was there. Uh, I, I would recommend it if anybody's looking to go to a tournament in the future where they don't want to risk their rating but they want to still play good chess. Then then I'd go to that. In fact, I, I played ironically rather well despite being slightly um, impeded by the Guinness that I was drinking quite a lot of the time but uh, I beat uh, I beat Baburin who's the top uh, uh, Irish player Grandmaster, Russian Grandmaster, and then I should have beaten Gawain Jones. I was totally winning, uh, and then I got right into time trouble and decided to give him my bishop. So there you go, uh, Gawain. There was a bit of a present for you, and actually Gawain went went on to win the tournament, equal with Nigel and Mickey. Um, and after a playoff, I think Mickey won it all, but he, they came equal first. So yeah, it was it was great. But I don't know, Macaulay, how many more tournaments I'm going to get to. That was a very rare one for me. I have to admit, I don't play that many uh, that many tournaments nowadays. Well, you talk about a social tournament. One of the main events on the social tournament calendar in the United States uh, was in February over the President's Day weekend. And that, of course, is the U.S. Amateur Team East, Mm. also known as the World Amateur Team Championship because it's the biggest of the four U.S. Amateur Teams. And uh, I used to play in this starting at about the age of nine every year through uh, through college and beyond. And only in recent years have I uh, stopped playing it. But I did manage to pop by. I actually gave a little talk uh, to about 50 people, showed some video clips, and uh, told some stories uh, to a, a small group of players from the event. But it was, a, it was a blowout field. They had 294 teams, so it was the record set for the tournament. That's well over 1,200 players because you have teams of four or five with an alternate. Right. And also, they have a lot of uh, ancillary prize giveaways and things, including the infamous team name competition. And we talked about this last year. Right. 
Here's a clip from the organizer Steve Doyle announcing the finalists of the team name competition, which are then voted on by audience applause. We have a list the judges have given us of the finalists. We're going to vote. You're going to vote. And these are the finalists. Debo's bishop couldn't skewer my queen in the endgame. Please vote. Two queens in the sack tonight. Tried the Brady Gambit, but Welker trapped the piece. Occupy the center, 99% solution. Occupy D4, not Wall Street. Legalized marijuana. He's an Italian GM who used to actually play here at the team. Forking with Tebow's Knights never leads to me. Team Romney, we play both sides of the board. Ladies of the night. Nightmare on Elo Street. Stop feeding your wang. Arabian Knights attack, Mubarak resigns. And rook both ways. The judges think that it's Team Romney. We play both sides of the board. So not too surprising that in a presidential election year, a political one takes the cake. I actually, I, I like that one. Uh, and I also liked Occupy D4, not Wall Street. In Parsippany, there were no less than 10 teams that started with the word Occupy or Occupied. So obviously that was also a, a big theme of the hundreds of teams. We'll post a, a few more runners-up, my personal runners-up, uh, for the team name prize on our Facebook page. And so do check that out at facebook.com forward slash the FEB and let us know which your favorites were. Superb. All right. That's about all the time we have on this partial English breakfast. We hope Stephen Gordon will be back with us in two weeks. He'll be back, don't we? He'll, he'll be fine in a couple of weeks. We'll all be back to normal. Don't worry. You won't have to be uh, subject to my nonsense for too much longer. Well, I'm off to Reykjavik uh, for some nonsense there in Iceland. First trip to uh, Iceland and the Reykjavik Open. We'll be producing a half-hour live show with Grandmaster Simon Williams. That will be superb. Simon is absolutely fantastic, as you all know, from the Gibraltar tournament, which Macaulay also covered. So absolutely have a, have a great show out there, too. And uh, look forward to doing the next one. All right, cheers, bro. Integration, not segregation. Integration, not segregation. And after that, I thought, sod you lot. Get out of here.